welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And today we are starting the second book of the Skinjacker trilogy, Everwild by Neil Schusterman. And just in case you're new to our show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends and we read and reread young adult books from our adolescence and share them with each other. This is a series that I had already read, so I'm rereading and Charles is reading it for the first time. And I've really been enjoying it so much so far. Well, I've been enjoying it as well. Probably not quite as much as you, but I've definitely been enjoying it. (laughs) Um, As the newcomer, I'm going to quickly summarize the plot of this reading. Essentially, our characters are on their own quests. Nick and Johnny are off trying to free afterlights and recruit talented afterlights for an upcoming war. Mary is trying to capture her own and recruit talented afterlights for her side. She also eventually is quite successful at this. Allie and Mikey are falling in love, but not vocalizing it. So when they meet new skinjackers, this causes a rift. And eventually Mikey abandons her, and they go their separate ways. So for my impression of the reading, I will say I am enjoying the world a little more this time. Not that I wasn't enjoying it in the past, I just wasn't interested. I'm still not really that interested, but I'm definitely more interested in the characters. And I'm really enjoying the inter-character dynamics. Well, for my impression, I would say that I just definitely didn't remember as much of the plot for this book as I did for the first book. But I'm still enjoying it nonetheless. But specifically, I didn't remember Allie and Mikey's romance like being so deep. Like they talk about being like soulmates and like how like their connection is different like as afterlights. I just didn't really remember their connection being so deep. And I also specifically like didn't remember them meeting other skin jackers and like Milos, like his character, I just didn't remember at all. So it was very interesting to read that back. Well, that feels like the whole plot, but okay. Well, <laughs> we... Well, yeah, so I didn't remember, I pretty much didn't remember any of the plot, but I, I mainly, I feel like from this point forward, I just remember like very big reveals, like... Mm that kind of stuff as opposed to like actual like how the plot unfolds goes along yeah well we start with mary and the first thing she says is like she's so glad to be 15 forever because she's adults makes she sees that adults make mistakes and i was like wow if we needed a reminder that mary is the one who's in the wrong that she's the villain this is it because she says like being 15 forever sounds awful so if you needed to think that mary was wrong First thing she says out of the gate in this book is wrong. For more specificity, though, Mary is literally trying to capture afterlights to be taken into her care. Which for me, I was just like, how can she possibly justify being the good guy in this situation when she's doing the exact same thing that McGill did, except instead of chiming the afterlights, she's brainwashing them into believing everything she says while intentionally withholding important information. So, like, yes, she is very clean. If you didn't think Mary was evil, I feel like there's no way you could get to this point and not be like, no, she's evil. I don't even think it's necessarily evil. It's just that she's wrong. Like, she... Mm, I think it's a little evil to purposely withhold information from people and 
take them like into your like cult basically like that's evil i guess like you're saying it's wrong but it's the difference of why i would say it's evil is because yes we can identify that it is wrong but she knows that what she's doing is wrong like but she doesn't think that that like i think that the, I think the, the one thing that I could say is evil about what she's doing is that she knows that she's withholding information. She's withholding information about the coins. But she genuinely thinks that it is dangerous to go into the light. So I'm not saying that she's right, but I don't think she's evil in the way, like, the McGill was evil. Like, he just wanted to take advantage of people. Like, she genuinely thinks, I mean, she's wrong, but she thinks that she's doing the right thing for people. I guess, which I guess for me, I just consider that just as bad, like thinking that you know better than everyone else to not give them all the information. The not giving people information is the one thing that she does that absolutely is evil because like, they're not, it's not the allowing them to make their own decisions. Exactly. Exactly. So on the opposite end of that, though, Nick is Nick is sending people on their way. And I just want to like, you know, again, if we need reinforcement. They seem to like where they're going. Like, they seem to be happy when they enter the light, which makes me think that Nick is in the right, that they're coming to Nirvana. Also, the coin bucket. So they have a bucket that keeps refilling with coins. So anytime they meet an afterlight, even if they don't have a coin, they can just take a coin from this bucket. And the bucket keeps refilling itself. And so Johnny is like, this has got to be a sign that we're doing the right thing because the bucket keeps filling it up itself up. And I was like, you know, I actually kind of agree with that logic. Like, if the coins keep providing themselves, that feels like what they're doing is right. Mm-hmm. I guess another reason why I feel like what Mary is doing is evil is because, or also like why I identify that I think that she realizes what she's doing is wrong because what I thought when like she's saying like she's afraid of going to the light, I took it in like a selfish way. She is afraid for herself because she knows that she's doing the wrong thing. So she knows that there's not going to be any good, like anything good waiting for her when she goes into the light. Like, you know, if you're thinking of, you know, the Christian idea of you're going to heaven or hell, like based on what Mary's done by like lying to kids and not giving them all the information. Like, I feel like she's afraid that she is essentially going to hell. Mm -hmm. So that is what, like, that's what I got from the reading, which is why I guess for me, I'm just like, I just think that she's evil because I, from my perspective, I'm thinking that, okay, she's identified that what she's doing is wrong and she's continuing to do it. And she doesn't want other kids to go into the light because she's personally afraid of it as opposed to like, she's afraid for the kids. Like, I think she knows what going into the light means, like going into whatever, like afterlife actually is. Okay. And she's just choosing to do that. But like, obviously that's just my interpretation. That's not necessarily what it is. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I take your point. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just saying that like, I think it's important to note that she is not doing it because, well, for what I already said, I don't have to repeat myself a hundred times. Yes. So moving on a little bit, a side note, since they're talking about Nick, is that half of Nick's face has turned to chocolate, which I wrote that this is not good. And I'm wondering, is it so bad? Like, I mean, it worked out well for him. He didn't have any insides because they were all just filled with chocolate and they're just afterlights. Like, is there anything so bad about him not of, you know, him having this, like, chocolate existence? 
Well, so for me, I'm just thinking, you know, they state in the book that it's pretty much been three years since Nick and Allie died. So if within three years of them being in Everloss, like already a whole half of his face has turned to chocolate, like just what I would be thinking is what does that mean for his future in Everlost? Like that progression. And that's all I'm going to say. I mean, I guess for me, I'm just like, well, since the McGill was able to be a monster, I was like basically no longer human. I'm- but the McGill, as we learn, like his changing is a choice. Whereas with Nick, he does not want to be like the chocolate ogre. Like it's just happening. Yeah. He's- he has no control of it. So that's why I was en- just identifying that as a possible issue for the future. Understood. Understood. So checking in with Allie. So she's been skinjacking a lot, practicing. And skinjacking feels like so good that it's almost addictive. It kind of reminded me, honestly, when she and Milos were talking about it, of vampires needing to drink blood the way that like it's needs. I to think be- she even uses that analogy like at some point in the book of like vampire. I thought she made an analogy. Maybe she to did. I just didn't notice. But I it remind. I was like, oh, it's like Twilight. They're, like, they need to be satiated. And, like, the whole, like, hiding it and, like, you know, not wanting to do it in front of Mikey. So, anyway. But she and Mikey go to her parents' home. Turns out they've moved to Memphis. But they're going to... Now they're going to go to Memphis, basically, so that Allie can get that closure. She thinks that she's ready to do it safely. And she thinks that she's ready to go see her home. So they're going to go to Memphis. But we can go back to Nick now. I just wanted to keep on track chronologically. Okay, that works. That makes sense. We're staying on track. But yes, back to Nick. So he's looking for someone called Zack the Ripper, who is an ecto-ripper, which basically means that they can take things from the lipping world and bring them into Everlost. So literally anything they can just reach their hand basically through a portal, grab something that's like in the living world and pull it into Everlost. So a very cool ability. And when this was brought up, yeah, I didn't remember this character at all. So obviously that shows I'm not going to (laughs) remember things like that as we go forward. But it turns out that Zack the Ripper is actually Zinnia or Zin for short. And she's a girl that actually died while fighting for the Confederacy, and she was pretending to be a boy. But when she like was in the tunnel going towards the light, she stopped herself at the light, reached into it, took a piece of it, and like ran away. And that's why she's an Everlost, and that's why we think or are kind of told that she's able to do the ecto ripping and like pull the things out of the living world, which that was a very interesting explanation. Yeah, I actually kind of like the explanation. It, it worked for me. But yes, that is what she says is her, her reason for having the power. And Nick is recruiting her because he wants powerful afterlights because he's sensing that he's going to have to go to war with Mary. And essentially, he wants to have all kinds of powerful people on his side because Mary is, you know amassing uh, basically an army of brainless zombies whereas nick instead of amassing zombies is setting them free 
And I wrote down that I bet he would like to recruit Allie in her powers as well, because obviously she is a skinjacker, which is powerful. Yes, definitely. And also Allie literally hates Mary, so she would be a perfect addition to his team. Also, they are constantly thinking of each other, but both as siblings. So I remember last, when the book first started, I was like, oh, they're obviously going to be love interests. But that's not the case at all. Because Nick still no. loves Mary. He still wants to, like, convert her when her over. And Allie still loves Mikey. And I just, I, I really like that they both already think of each other as siblings. I'm glad that there's not a love triangle going on with our two, like, original main characters. Because I guess that we kind of have a bunch of main characters at this point. But I'm really glad but those that are like the main ones, yeah. Are on the same page. They really think of each other as siblings. Yeah, which I think Allie is the one who like says something like in her thoughts about how you know since they were like, or maybe it was Nick. One of them said about how like since they she were like says born, that like ghost twins. Yeah, because they were born into Everlost like at the same time. So yeah, they're like after like ghost twins. But yeah. speaking of Allie, she is skinjacking because like i said she's getting pretty addicted to it so she's doing it a lot more often and two people while she's skinjacking in a girl two people come up it's a little boy and an old man and they say some pretty odd things to her because she's like eating a snickers bar and they're like did you like the bar or something and when i was reading them i mean obviously it was very weird and creepy but i definitely was like this has to be other afterlights skinjacking and that is what it ends up being. But I was just wondering if, Charles, like, did you think of that or guess that at all? No. I had absolutely no idea. How did you even know? Well, so when they came up, I mean, the fact that anybody even talked to her also was such an odd thing to say. Like, they said, like, oh, you're eating again. Like, what they said was, like, really specific. And just it seemed, like, so suspicious. And, again... I'm assuming that, you know, if these random characters said something to her, it had to have something to do with the plot. And so I was just assuming, which, like, I didn't remember this at all. But I just, it was, like, really weird. I mean, Allie even described, like, when they talked to her, she, like, got the chills. And, like, she immediately wanted to, like, jump out of the body. Because it was like she'd, like, seen a ghost because she literally was talking to other ghosts. Well, good for you. I had no idea. I did not guess it at all. (laughs) And it turns out they were basically, like, a coven of skinjackers and they've been following her because they think that she's Jack and Jill who's basically a former member of their coven. Turns out she's not obviously but they're going to work together with their leader and the two of them they're going to travel with Allie and Mikey to Memphis to see her family. And this is where we meet Milos who is the lead skinjacker of their little group and he tells Allie that their ability to skin jack is temporary and only lasts the length of their natural lives. So for Charles, I wrote down a question was, do you believe him? And if you do, why do you think that that is the case? That like skin jacking is temporary only for the length of like your natural lifespan. I don't know. I didn't even think about it. I didn't think to question it. It could be. I wouldn't be surprised if it's what Milos believes. I don't know if it's true or not. I do think that the point about, like, how would you determine when the person would have died, like, what their natural lifespan would have been otherwise, I think that's kind of a wishy-washy metric, actually. But I 
yeah, I don't really have much to say on the matter. Like, I, I don't know. Do you, do you know what it is? Do you think, do you remember? Yes, I remember, and my lips are sealed. Okay, <laughs> fine. That, that works for me. I don't want to spoil I, anything. I honestly didn't think to question it. I was like, okay, whatever, that's fine. Again, I told you I'm not that interested in the world. I'm like... But, like... I'm much more interested in the character relationships. But, I mean, this is going to affect the character relationships. Like, you're not even curious as to, like, why can certain people skin jack and other people can't? You're not even curious about that? I mean, it's the same way, like, some people are just naturally beautiful. I don't think that's the same. Um, some people are good at math. But, like... Whatever, we don't have to talk about it. That's fine if you're not that interested. But to me, I mean, that is to me like the bi- it's sure a very big reveal. So, and I'll be happy for that explanation when we get to it. I just have not been that curious because, I mean, I guess with Zach the Ripper, we kind of got one theory for why you get powers, but like Mikey gets his power just by like trying really hard. Like, Mikey is the American dream. He's, like, pulling himself up by the bootstraps, quite literally. But that's something that, like, he worked towards. He He had to build up the power, whereas, like, Allie had the power immediately. So, like, like, the Haunter had said how, like, it's something that you either have or you don't. And I just... Okay, well, now, I mean, clearly there is something that makes people have the power. I just don't care, and I don't have a theory. Oh, my God. I'll be happy when there's an explanation. I just have not thought about it I because I literally was thinking, oh, it's just genetic distribution. Like, some people have it. The same way some people have blue eyes and some people don't. Okay, well, we'll just we'll follow up on that later when it's revealed, and we'll see if Charles cares then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Speaking of Mikey, Mikey is totally in love with Allie, and he's getting really jealous of her spending all this time with Milos talking about their magic skin jacking powers and how much better they are than everyone else. And that's obviously not going to end well. So he goes to working on his shape-shifting power, and he's actually practicing it, and he's perfecting turning into a monster at will, which is kind of, I know. His is definitely not, like, in a power he was born with. This is one that he worked for due to his circumstances. but. It was, it is cool that, like, he's using his downtime to be productive. (laughs) You know, he's got that quarantine skill. (sighs) Yeah, I guess so. But I do have a lot of... And I really like Mikey. I like Mikey. I I like Mikey, too. I think he has really redeemed himself, and I think Allie really raises him up. Like, I think together they work really well together, so... I agree. And it's unfortunate what happens next. That's a segue if I've ever heard one. Go ahead. Well, so first, before we get into what happens, I do have a lot of things to say about Milos because he's kind of shady. Why don't you go ahead and I'll comment as we get there. Which this I wrote down. So when Allie said that she died in a car accident with Nick, Moose and Squirrel, which is the other two skin jackers that they're with, they both look at Milos. And, you know, that's like a, do they know something she doesn't? This wasn't, when I actually wrote down this note, because Charles, you know, makes the outline and he just pulls my notes. This wasn't in necessarily reference to Milos being shady. But this, again, goes back to my comment of why are people skin jackers? That's all I'm going to say. So that makes me think of something at the 
ending of the reading, which I don't want to talk about quite yet. But we will come back to your point about Moose and Squirrel looking at each other at the end. Because I do have something I want to say about that. Okay. okay. But talk so about Milos, because you you've been meaning to talk about Milos. So I'll say on Milos, which, so to me, he's clearly a master manipulator. Because he talks to Allie, and as he's talking to her and telling her about skinjacking, he's like, skinjacking is a part of their nature, so she shouldn't resist it. And then on the other side, he's telling Mikey that he's holding Allie back. And so, like, obviously he's manipulating Allie, and he's manipulating Mikey into, like, wanting to go separate ways. And Milo says to Allie that, if it hurts no one, why is it wrong to enjoy skinjacking? Which is really interesting because skinjacking does hurt the humans or the fleshies, as they call them, by, you know, leaving them dazed and confused as to how they got into whatever situation the skinjacker put them in. Which, you know, for Allie, who seems to, like, really be, like, ethical and, like, super, like, always, like, on high moral ground, I don't know why she didn't mention that or think of this when he said that. Absolutely. I agree. I was like, it definitely hurts the humans when you make them do things that they don't want to do because either they don't know what happened and so they have a memory blank or you fight with them and they think they're going crazy. Also, and even even when they do have like a good experience, like they're able to put them asleep, like it's still very disorienting. Like imagine being like you even miss like 15 minutes, 20 minutes of your day. And like, you have no idea what happened to you. You'd like, what if you thought you were drugged? Like, I feel like, especially if that happens, like that can men- mess up like with your like mental health. Cause you'd be like, am I going crazy? Yes. Also like M- Milos mentions that they will skinjack people and drive their cars places. Like, Oh yeah. That one was crazy. I, like the, Allie's just like, it doesn't feel right. I'm like, Allie, there's a moral code. Like, this is, like, (laughs) you could just say, like, it's definitely taking advantage of people. Especially, like, you literally drive across the freaking country and then be like, you know, just wake up in Memphis. You know, I mean, they don't end up doing that. But, like, they could have. I think also for Allie, she probably is having this, like, lapse in judgment because... How we said, she's like, she's skinjackers finally. She's meeting people like she's her. meeting other skinjackers, so she's able to connect with them in ways she hasn't been able to connect with any other afterlight. And also, she's finally able to like give in to basically her addiction. Like she said, it's really nice to skinjack. Like, all she wants to do is like be alive again, be human again. Like, how she skinjacks one lady and like just dances around in the rain because she used to love the feeling of the rain. And like, now as an afterlight, she can't feel it. So, like, it's a totally understandable feeling. And by being with Milos, he's kind of, like, allowing her to, like, do it and, like, not feel as guilty about it. Yeah. But I feel like by the end, she, like, is able to turn around. But before then, you know, all she's doing all these lessons with Milos, and he's, like, telling her all these different things about skinjacking that they can do with it. And it is just continuing to drive Allie away from Mikey, who, you know, she's been spending you know, almost two years probably of her time in Everlast together. So, like, it's really unfortunate, especially for Mikey, like who we said, we love Mikey. Yeah, I I really wanted Allie to have a heart-to-heart with Mikey because she knows how she, that, how she feels about him, and she's a strong inkling that he feels the same. And even an honest conversation, because they are emotionally, like, 15, 
it might not be enough to turn off his jealousy, but she could at least explain to him. Like, she could at least say, hey, I do have emotional feelings for you, and I know you do too, and I just want you to be sure, like, what I, Milos is nothing like that to me. Like, because she knows. And... Yeah, she knows basically from the beginning. I mean, I feel like she gets tempted a little bit, but, like, ultimately she's like, I care for Mikey. Yeah, and she knows that Mikey is dealing with this. and But she, because she and him have a generally playful relationship, she doesn't feel like she has to. But I'm like, there's a new variable in this alley. And so <laughs> I really, I wanted her to just tell him how she feels so that he didn't have to worry. because, But she doesn't, and look where it gets her. Yeah, she doesn't. But, you know, I guess she, yeah, like you said, they're only like 15 mentally so she hasn't gotten you know the memo that open and honest communication is the best thing in a relationship here's your lesson of the day guys talk to your partners so this all comes to a clash when milos and ali they make out while they're skin jacking and i thought it was so gross like (laughs) this is where you know and milos tries to like justify it because he's like they were already dating. They were going to make out. And maybe they were. That's fine. But there is something a little rapey about it. Not like Milos kissing her, but like the using their bodies. The using the bodies is like very weird, which is why I think, I mean, in the moment, like Allie like gets caught up in like the hormones of it. Because she describes how, you know, like a kiss in Everlost isn't the same no, like when you're in a no real tangible, living body. Yeah. Like, well, also like your heartbeat like speeds up, like stuff like that. It's like there's none of that. When you're a ghost. So I feel like she gets lost in that aspect of it. Like literally taken over by hormones. But once she like thinks about it. I think she's also kind of like grossed out. Of like being in someone else's body. And like. Absolutely. Experiencing that through someone else's. Totally. Like, I think being. that Allie comes to the right decision. But I just was like. Oh god I am so creeped out by this right now. Yeah. And Mikey thinks that they were together Mikey's following them in Everlast so he sees it happen and so he transforms into a monster and runs off and now Allie's all alone in Memphis yeah I I do have to say it was like a little funny when he like turned into the monster and then he like runs to the the kids the like afterlight the vapor of afterlights and he's like bow before the McGill and like tremble or something (laughs) I don't know I just thought that was kind of funny it was funny, but it was also sad. I mean, it was sad. It was a misunderstanding. But yeah, definitely poor Mikey, but hopefully we'll get some redemption for him and a reconnection with Allie in the next half of the reading. But let's go ahead and jump over to our villain, Mary, and her new alliance with Pugsy and Jack and Jill, who are in Chicago. Chicago. Okay, yes, they're in Chicago. And Mary actually thinks that it's amazing that Jack and Jill has been preventing kids from going into the light so they can come into Everlost, which to me, this right here proves how much of a psychopath she really is. Because basically, Jack and Jill somehow like knows when kids are going to die. And, you know, she runs in like when the kids like, I guess, are like going through the tunnel to the light, she like gets in their way. So, like, just, like, how when Nick and Allie, like, died, 
they like crashed into each other, which is why they ended up in Everlost or whatever is like kind of the explanation. So Jill will literally go in and like prevent kids from being able to get into the light so that they'll go into the hibernation sleep for nine months and then wake up as afterlights. And Mary's like, this is the best idea I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) She was like, why didn't I not think of this, you know, a hundred years ago? This is how I'll get all my followers. They'll just come and be born right into my, my, like my cult. I don't have to go recruit new members. I'll just have them come to me. Yeah. Also, side note, Mary says she calls them her freedom fighters. And I was, <laughs> she's like, it's not an army. They're freedom fighters. And I was like, get out, Mary. Get also, what and how ironic when she literally is taking away their freedom by not giving them the freedom to choose what they want to do yeah. with their coins and like going into the light. So then Milos. And crew show up, and he implies, at least this is what I got. That so Jill basically is like, I because she she's talking to Mary, and she's like, I can find the baby afterlife that are sleeping, and I manipulate the process they come into after loss, and my magical necklace tells me when they're about to be some new afterlights. Mary totally buys this because she's like, oh my yeah, I'm gonna make like cult time, but. Milos implies that Jill actually, rather than finding when the afterlights come into the Everlost, that she actually causes their accidents. Or that she, at least that's what it sounded like to me, that Jill basically facilitates the situations in which children would die and then also goes into their brain, stops them from catching the light, and brings them into afterlights. Which goes to Asia's comment earlier about Moose and Squirrel being squirmish about Allie and Nick. Because it would not take very much for Jill to skin Jack into either one of their parents, hit the cars, knowing that there are two kids there, so that's potentially two two afterlights, and then manipulate both of them. Wow, yeah, I didn't even think of that. So I like that theory a lot. I honestly have no idea. I don't remember. My only thing would be, Mm. why would Jill have been doing that before she was, like, working for Pugsy or Mary, Mary like, beforehand? That would be my only question, which we don't know how long she's been with Pugsy and working for him, but that would be my only question to that. But, yeah, I wrote it on my notes. I was like, I have no idea how she, like, finds the kids. Like, that's... A very interesting concept. Like, I have no idea. But I do like that theory. That's a good one. Makes sense. It it sounded to me, the way Milos implied it, that she had something to do with their deaths, even if it's not, like, actively killing them, but that she was somehow involved, and therefore, that's how she knew where to find them. But we'll find out, I guess, in the next reading. Yep. And so now, all of the gross, evil people... Milos, Mary, and Jill are all together and, you know, doing their evil things. And that's pretty much where we left off for this first half of the reading. Uh, final thoughts. Do you have any? I have one quick one. Uh, not really. I don't think right off the top of my head. We just haven't mentioned the Everlost Wind that seems to blow off of the Mississippi River. And it seems to be some sort of barrier. Mm-hmm. We don't really know 
how important that is, what it actually... None of our characters have gotten there yet. They haven't... They only, like, vaguely experienced it. But, I, you know, just wanted to mention it in case it ends up being important. Yes. I'm sure it's important. I actually don't remember anything about the wind, so I'm looking forward to find out about that, too. Thanks for the validation. <laughs> well, we're going to finish up Everwild for next week, which is the second book, so if you... The book that we're currently reading, I should say. So if you do read along, go ahead and read to the end of this book for next week. And as always, if you have any predictions, theories, or questions, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. Just head over to nerdparty.com contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at TheNerdParty, or Facebook.com slash TheNerdParty. And to find me, I'm at AsiaBoney on Twitter. Not actually. Do not tweet me. I will not respond. But you can actually find me at Asia.Boney on Instagram and TikTok, where I will respond. And I'm at Seashells on Instagram. And make sure that, you know, you enjoyed this show. You rate review it. Share it with your friends. Talk about whether you like the ghosts or the characters. And check out the other amazing podcasts we have here on the Nerd Party Network. And, of course, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss us again next week. Yep, hit that subscribe and have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.